Hello and welcome to the Old Time Radio Hour. I'm your host, Justine Ward, and each week we select a classic show from radio's golden age, one of the most iconic shows of the era, one that ran from 1930 to 1954, was the one who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men, the shadow, of course, perfect for Halloween. Now the voice of the shadow seems high camp, but it is frightening if you use your imagination to create the mysterious scenes. This first episode we selected stars the great Orson Welles as the shadow, and it features Agnes Moorhead in the acting ensemble. A shell-shocked World War I vet is used to seek revenge from beyond the grave. This is the shadow, the silent avenger, starring Orson Welles, First broadcast March 13th, 1938, on Mutual. <laughs> the shadow knows. <laughs> Again, Blue Coal Dealers present radio's strangest adventurer, The Shadow. Mystery man who strikes terror into the very hearts of shopsters, lawbreakers, and criminals. Today, Blue Coal brings you The Shadow's latest adventure, The Silent Avenger. The Shadow's exciting adventure begins in just a moment. But first, I'd like to remind you homeowners that right now, when winter is changing into spring is the most treacherous time of all the year. But you can protect your family's health and save valuable dollars by burning blue coal. It's Pennsylvania's finest anthracite. Order a trial ton from your nearest blue coal dealer tomorrow. And if you want to read The Adventures of the Shadow in complete novel form, in addition to numerous detective stories, crime problems, and features, simply write us for your copy of The Shadow Magazine, absolutely free. Remember... All you have to do is mail a penny postcard to Blue Coal, 120 Broadway, New York City, or to Blue Coal in care of this station. Send for your free copy of the Shadow Magazine tonight. duly tried by a jury and found guilty of murder in the first degree. You now appear in this court that sentence may be passed upon you. But before I pronounce sentence, have you anything to say? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Before you pass sentence on me, I'm going to pass sentence on you. You, Judge Wilson, on Sloan, the prosecuting attorney, on those 12 good and true saps on a jury. And on one more, maybe. The guy that really trapped me in the first place. The only guy smart enough to get me. The shadow. Order! Order in the court! That will do, Joseph Brickland. You have nothing to say in your own behalf. This is in my own behalf, and you'd better listen, all of you. I know I'm on my way to the death house, to the chair. But I'm warning you. For every day I sit in the death house, one of you will be killed. Starting with the foreman of the jury. 
You'll die the day I burn. Order! Order in the car! Joseph Brecker, by the power vested in me by the people of this state, I hereby order you to be taken to the state penitentiary, there to be delivered over to the warden, by whom on a certain day determined by this court, he shall in the manner prescribed by law put you to death. And may God have mercy on your soul. Orders adjourned. All right, come on, clear the court. Outside. Well, it's a sheer bluff, I tell you. How can Brecker kill a whole jury? The DA, Judge Wilson, even the governor. I tell you, he's crazy. Oh, man, I was not that crazy. Yeah, you bet. Some are in jail right now. Brecker's gang are all dead or in jail. I know, but you can't. Yes, I know. Nobody's ever seen the shadow. He could appear right in this courtroom and not be seen. I'd hate to have anybody like that. Margot, let's get out of here. Must be very flattering to inspire such awe and fear, Lamont. It has its disadvantage, Margot. Unfortunately, the mystery surrounding the shadow inspires fear and terror in the innocent as well as the guilty. The unknown is so often associated with evil. There's no help for it. The shadow must remain a shadow. Lamont, what do you make of Brecker's threat? Do you think it's just blocked? I wish I did, Margot. Meaning? Meaning Lamont Cranston is going to don the shadow's cloak and call on Joe Brecker in prison. Okay. Hello, Danny. Hello, Joe. You got five minutes. Better make the most of it. The deputies are here from the state claim to take you bye-bye to the big house. I'll be back. All right. Come on in, Danny. Sit on a bunk. I want to talk to you. There ain't much time. Hey, it's like a cage where they keep animals, huh, Joe? Lay off that, Danny. Okay, don't get sore. Sit down here and listen to what I got to say. Are they going to kill you, Joe? Yeah, but they're going to pay for it, every last one of them. You know who they are, don't you? I've told you over and over again. Yeah, Joe, you told me. And you know what you're to do. You remember everything I told you. Don't you, Danny? Yeah, yeah, Joe, I remember. I won't forget. When the newspapers say they put you in a death house, I kill one of them. That's right, Danny. And don't forget, these people I told you about, the judge, the jury, that prosecuting attorney are the same ones that drafted you into the army, sent you over to France. But you get shell-shocked, so it's hard for you to remember things. Sure. I won't forget. Hey, will it hurt much when they kill you, Joe? Stop that, will you? Okay, okay, I just want to know. You just keep your mind on the jury and Judge Wilson. Maybe even the governor. You'll get them all, eh, Danny? Yeah. Yeah, Joe. They won't know what hit them. <laughs> That's the stuff, Danny. Now, just one more thing. There's a guy that may get after you. He's smarter than the cops. He's the one that really got me. You gotta keep away from him. Don't give him a chance to find you. How can I do that? You gotta keep away from home. Don't go near the flat of the old lady. But Ma will worry if I don't come home now. No, no, she won't, Danny. She'll know you got things to do. All right, Joe. What about the fella I can't see? Is he dead? Like all my buddies in the war? The ones that talk to me in the dark? No, no, Danny. This guy's different. He ain't dead, he's alive. You can hear his voice, only you can't see him. But if you ever hear his voice, you'll know he's near you. Somewhere in the shadows. Yeah. <laughs> if he talks to me, I'll fix him, Joe. Sure, but not the way you're going to get the others, Danny. Because you can't see him, see? Now, look. You know those old hand grenades you have at home? Yeah. Well, I want you to carry a couple with you. If this guy ever finds you, 
If he tries to stop you paying him off for killing me, you just pull the pin of a hand grenade and throw it where you think his voice is coming from. That'll get him. All right, Joe. But how will I know when it's him? You'll know all right, then. He has a queer kind of laugh. And he calls himself the Shadow. All right, Breaker. Time's up. Come on, you. Okay, okay. So long, Danny. Don't you forget anything. So long, Joe. I wouldn't forget. I wouldn't forget nothing you told me. Come on, you. I'll just take it. Take it up. <laughs> that poor dope. He'll do it all right. He'll fix him. Every last one of them if I burn. Who's that? I heard somebody, but there's nobody there. Hey, God! Are you surprised to find me here, Joe Brecker? Shut up. <laughs> so you weren't expecting me. And yet prisons are filled with shadows. Shadows in the minds of men walking in the shadow of death itself. What do you want? You put me here, send me to the chair. Why can't you let me alone? Because your career of murder is not over. Because I know you mean to carry out the threat you made in court. Yeah. Yeah, and you can't stop me, Shadow. I can. Because you're going to tell me how the jury, the prosecuting attorney, and Judge Wilson are going to be killed. You're crazy. I'm not telling you anything, Shadow. I'm not afraid of you anymore. I got nothing to lose. You are telling me, Brecker. Yeah. You see, I can read your mind. One thought is racing through your mind now. It's mirrored in your eyes, etched on your brain. You're lying, trying to trick me into telling you. All right, I'll tell you what you're thinking about. You're thinking of a man. He he acts strangely. He's he's shell-shocked. No. Am I right? No, no, stop it. This man is very close to you. I've got it. He's your brother. His name is... Danny. Danny, isn't it? No, no, go away. Leave me alone. Thinking that even now your brother, Danny, is hurrying home to get a high-powered rifle out of a trunk. That's true. A rifle equipped with telescopic sights no. and a silencer. You're thinking of Danny's medals for marksmanship. His decorations for valor as a sniper. A sniper so cunning he could hide in an open battlefield. Lie. Pick his enemies off at long range and no. not be seen. That's all I need to know, Brecker. All I need to know. <laughs> no. No, you're crazy. You're just guessing. All right, suppose he is. You won't find him. You won't stop him, Shadow. Shut up, Brecker. What's the matter with you? Who do you think you're talking to? It's a shadow. He's here in the prison. Yeah, well, don't let that worry you, Brecker. There's plenty of shadows where you're going. Come on. Deputies are waiting, and you're heading for the last mile. Every one of you jurors are in danger. You shouldn't be here on the street. This death threat may seem like a lot of hooey to you, but I've been assigned to guard you. If anything happens, they'll send me back to pounding a beat. Well, I'm sorry, Inspector, but I've got my business to attend to, and I can't hide in my office. <gasps> Hanson, what's the matter, man? Oh, that man, look at him. He's down. Uh, what's the matter with that man? What's going on here? Keep back, get back. Uh, who are you? Greg, homicide squad. This man's been shot. Ah, uh, you're crazy. I didn't have no shot. I Neither was... did I. But just the same, he's got a bullet. Right between the eyes. 
looks like Joe Brecker is keeping his word. Lamont, can't you do something? Can't you find Danny Brecker? No. No, Margot. He got away. He hasn't been near his mother's home since his brother Joe went to the death house. Danny Brecker. He's somewhere. Hiding somewhere. Waiting to strike again. I've got to find him. Good morning, Mr. O'Hara. I'd like some oranges and potatoes. Good heavens, Mrs. Adams. What are you doing out in the street? I thought the police had detectives watching every one of you jurors that was on the Brecker case. Oh, they've got a detective staying at my house, but I had to have some things for dinner, and I slipped out. Mother, can I have some candy? Yes, dear, of course you can. You just... Oh, Mother. Mother, what's the matter? Why don't you send to me? Sam! Sam! Huh? Quick, Mother. phone the police. Get a doctor. Mrs. Adams Mother. has been shot. Oh, I'm afraid she's dead. Yes, the killer has struck again. Judge Wilson. Yes, are we? Judge, don't you think it would be, well, safer with a killer still at large if you had those window curtains closed? Oh, that's not necessary. This apartment's on the 20th floor. Yeah, I know, Your Honor, but just the same, I... I'll answer it, sir. Hello? Yes, Judge Wilson is right here, Your Excellency. The governor's on the wire, sir. Here you are. Hello? Yes, Governor. Yes, of course you couldn't commute Joe Brecker's sentence. If you did a thing like that, even to save the rest of the jury, there'd be no more law and order. But look, Governor, don't you think it'd be wise for you to cancel your engagement to ride in the parade tomorrow? You'd be in an open car and a perfect target for any... <coughs> Judge! Judge Wilson! Governor! Governor! Judge Wilson has just been shot! He... He's dead! Shadow will continue with his adventure in just a moment. In the meantime, here is a message of particular importance to families throughout this area who supply their own heat. We are now in a period of the year when all fuels are put to their severest test. However, homeowners who use blue coal have nothing to worry about because blue coal, which is especially prepared for home use, is better qualified to meet sudden changes of weather than other fuels. During mild weather, blue coal banks for long periods with little attention. Then blue coal immediately responds with minimum draft, sending a uniform supply of heat throughout the living quarters of the home. Because blue coal burns down to a fine, powdery ash, it is not only an economical fuel, but a particularly clean fuel as well. Furthermore, blue coal is an American product, mined in Pennsylvania by the Glen Alden Coal Company. Unlike a good many other fuels sold in this area, blue coal is prepared exclusively for home use. So that you can be sure of getting more uniform, more economical heat, blue coal is act color so that you can identify it at a glance. There has been a big swing this winter to blue coal throughout this territory. Sales of blue coal this winter in the Middle Atlantic and New England states show an increase of 10.4% over sales for the same period a year ago. 
So take a tip from these blue coal families. For better, more economical heat, switch to blue coal tomorrow. Ask for it by name. Order a trial ton from your nearest blue coal dealer, whose name will be found in the where to buy it section of your classified telephone directory under the name Blue Coal. Lamont. It'll take you long to get here. Let me help you out of the car. I was waiting for your call, Lamont. As a matter of fact, I've been waiting for days. Where have you been? What are you doing? Well, the same thing the entire police force this city's been doing, Margot. Chasing a will of the wisp. Are you sure it's Joe Brecker's brother, Danny? Yes, there doesn't seem to be any doubt of it, but the police can't find him, and I haven't a single clue to go on. What do you know about I him? I looked up his record. He was shell-shocked during the war in France. He was an expert marksman, a sniper. Society trained him to kill men. They told him they were enemies, that he should kill them off. And now, with a shell-shocked mind, he's remembering what society taught him. To kill. Yes. And another thing, for the people who've been through that experience, life is cheap. Yes, but these poor people he shot and killed, the jurors and the judge, they were only doing their duty, they're innocent. Yes, individually they're innocent, Margot. Individually we're all innocent, and yet, all guilty. Because this Danny, Joe Brecker's brother, is a product of our own folly. Teaching men to kill in time of war, yet expecting them to respect life in time of peace. Lamont, why did you want me to meet you here? Oh, I, I want you to do something for me, Margo. I want you to go into that brownstone house right over there. Joe Brecker's mother lives in the basement. Yes. Joe is scheduled to die at 5 o'clock. It's exactly 10 minutes from now. All right, Lamont. I'll do it. Where will you be? I'll be with you, Margo. As the shadow... The feeling Danny may come to his mother tonight, either just before or just after his brother dies. Hurry, you have less than ten minutes. Here's the house. I'll ring the bell. Lamont, what shall I tell her? That I'm a reporter? Yes, but don't try to make her answer questions. I hear someone coming. Yes? What do you want? Mrs. Brecker, I'd like to speak to you. May I come in? I don't care. You can come in if you want to. Doesn't matter. Nothing matters anymore. Nothing will ever matter again. I know you've been through a terrible ordeal these past days, Mrs. Brecker. How could you know what I've been through? How could anyone know? My one son a murderer and the other one... Goodness only knows what or where. Oh, I'm very sorry. If there's anything I can do... In three minutes, they'll be killing my son, Joe. There's nothing anyone can do. It's his brother, Danny. Oh, I'm so worried about him. Why doesn't he come? Oh, why doesn't he come home? Ma. Oh, Danny. Yeah. Oh. I'd come. Joe said I shouldn't, but I had to come. I knew you'd want me home tonight. Danny. Danny, where have you been? What's Joe been making me do? I've just been doing what Joe told me to do for him. Ma. Who's that girl there? What's she doing oh, here? Why, she, she's just a friend, Danny. Just a friend. Come to sit with me. She won't tell nobody you've been here, will she? Oh, no, no, Danny. She won't tell anyone. Ma, they're going to kill Joe in a few minutes. Five o'clock. And then i got to go out and do one more thing for Joe. Look, it's almost time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, no. No, Danny, no. You, you can't. I won't let you. Let go of me, Ma. No, don't. Let go of me. Danny. I got to do what Joe told me. I got to keep my word to Joe. No, no, Danny, listen to me. I know. I know we've been killing those people, shooting them. Oh, you've got to give yourself up, Danny. They won't hurt you. They didn't know. You didn't know what you were doing. Five o'clock. to the tower and do the last thing Joe wanted me to do for him. Danny, don't. You've done enough harm. You keep out of this. Joe told me to do this. I gotta. I can still hear a voice telling me to do it. Now you'll hear a voice telling you not to, Danny. Voice. I know. You're the shadow. Yes, Danny. And for your own sake, your mother's sake, Danny. Joe told me what to do with you. He knew you'd find me. That's why I got this hand grenade. Oh, Danny, don't. Pick up my hand on a fire and tin. I'm going to pull it out. Stop, Danny. I'm warning you. The voice came from there. In the corner. Joe told me to throw the grenade. Goodbye, Shadow. What happened? All right. I managed to pick up the grenade and throw it through the window into the court before it exploded. Oh, thank you. I don't mind saying that's the closest call the Shadow ever had. How long have you been here in your office? What happened? Were you able to trail Danny to his hiding place? No, by the time I got to the street after that hand grenade episode, he disappeared. But haven't you any idea where he went? Where that tower he mentioned might be? No, I've been working on this enlarged map of the Midtown section, trying to find some tall building, some tower Danny Brecker could use to hide to pick off the governor. Danny said something about a tower. He... It must be somewhere along the line of March of Today's Parade, Lamont. Margot, that's the Wardman Tower. But it isn't finished. They stopped work on it. it. It's nothing but a steel what frame. What could be a better place for a sharpshooter like Danny Brecker? There's no work going on there, just a watchman down on the street level. Margot, it's a long chance, but it may be the answer. Come on, there's a minute to lose. My car's downstairs, Lamont. I'll drive you over there. But what if he isn't there? What if he's somewhere else waiting to strike? In that case, Margot, I'm afraid we'll have a new governor of this state. <laughs> minutes now, Joe. Just a couple of minutes, and the governor's car will come along, and then I'll do the last thing you asked me to do, Joe. Wind velocity zero, range 300 yards. He'll die quick, Joe, like you died. The governor's coming now, Joe. That's his automobile with all the flags on it. That's him, sitting in the back with all those fellas around him. But I can pick him out. I won't miss Joe. <laughs> Danny. Danny Brecker. Listen to me. What was that? Who said that? Who laughed like that? Don't you recognize the shadow, Danny? Joe said... He said the hand grenade would fix it. You see, Danny, your brother was wrong. Put down that rifle, Danny Brecker. How did you find me way up here? How did you know I was hiding up here among these steel girders? 
Just like I used to hide in the trees in the war. That doesn't matter, Danny Brecker. All that matters is that you must not kill any more people. But I got to. Just one more, Shadow. Just one more. The governor. Down there in that car. I promised Joe. No, Danny. You will never keep that promise. Put down that rifle. Put it down, Danny. Lay it down on that steel girder and crawl back to the catwalk. All right. All right. I'll put it down. I'll put it down. Where are you, Shadow? I still got another grenade. Talk to me, Shadow. Say something so I can tell where you are. Crawl back to the catwalk, Danny. Crawl back to the catwalk, I say. Now. Now I won't. I won't. You can't make me. Come here and get me if you want me, Shadow. I don't want to have to do that, Danny. Don't you come near me, Shadow. Don't you touch me. If you do, I'll drop this hand grenade. I'll throw it down here among all those people. I'll kill dozens of them. There. I'll pull the pin. I'll throw it. Danny. Listen to me. Hold that hand grenade, Danny. Hold it tight, Danny Brecker. See your fingers tighten about it. Your mind obeys mine. Do you hear me, Danny? Danny, hold it. Don't throw that hand grenade. Hold it. Hold it tight. Don't throw it. Don't drop it. Don't drop it, Danny. Don't drop it, Danny. Don't drop it, Danny. Don't drop it. Yes, Commissioner Weston. A high-powered rifle fell into the street, fell right in front of the governor's car. I'm glad no one was hurt. Mm-hmm. This is the 30th floor. This is where the bomb went off. Blew the guy to pieces. Good heavens, he must have had a time bomb that went off too quick. Any idea who it was? Yeah. They found an identification card and some newspaper clippings in his pocket and what was left of them. It was Danny Brecker, Joe Becker's brother. Oh. Well, I guess that's that. Don't suppose we'll ever know what really happened. Anyway, there's one consolation. Looks as if the shadow fell down on this case just as badly as we did. Not quite, Commissioner Weston. Oh, so you got here in time to take credit for this, eh, Shadow? There is no credit. No glory in the death of Danny Brecker, Commissioner Weston. He was a victim. A human instrument of destruction. Fashioned by mankind. That teaches men to kill their enemies in time of war yet expects them to forget their murderous art in time of peace. Danny Brecker was an enemy of society, a killer, but only because you and I and countless thousands made him one. No, Commissioner, there is no glory in this for you or the shadow or for any man. You have just
just heard a dramatized version of one of the many copyrighted stories which appear in the Shadow magazine. All the characters and all the places named are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Same station, Blue Coal, America's finest anthracite, again presents another thrilling adventure of the shadow. Be sure to listen and be sure to burn Blue Coal, the solid fuel for solid comfort. This is the Mutual Broadcast. You are listening to the Old Time Radio Hour, broadcast each week over the World Wide Web with your host, Justine Ward. Next, we have another episode of The Shadow. It takes place in the 20th century aboard a ship that had been used to smuggle slaves during the 19th century. Congress passed a law abolishing the slave trade in 1808, but there were notorious smuggling incidents after that. Just this year, in 2018, the ruins of a slave ship, thought to be the 1860 smuggling ship, the Clotilda, was discovered near Mobile, Alabama. The survivors of that voyage were freed in 1863 and created a community north of downtown Mobile after the end of the Civil War that became known as Africatown. In this episode, The Shadow is played by William Johnston. Here is The Shadow, the hoodoo ship, first broadcast October 19, 1941, on Mutual. sure to hear our special guest at the end of today's program. And now, the thrilling adventures of the shadow are on the air, brought to you each week at this time by your neighborhood blue coal dealer. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcibly to old and young alike that crime does not pay. Get the jump on winter. Put in a supply of blue coal now, and you'll have a head start on cold weather. Don't wait until some of your family start catching cold before you tackle your heating problem. It's so easy to start the season off right with comfortable, economical blue coal. So place your order now. And remember, this year it's well to start the season with a big supply. The producers of blue coal expect no shortage of this finest of all hard coal, but present unsettled conditions make it wise to be prepared. Call your neighborhood blue coal dealer tomorrow and order your winter supply of blue coal. The Shadow, mysterious character who aids the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. Several years ago in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and powerful secret. 
the secret of hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so that they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's drama, The Hoodoo Ship. The date, 1850. The place, aboard the slave ship Raven, flying between Africa and America. Mr. Carway, sir. What is it now, Peters? What confederation do you want? That ship, sir. What ship? The ship, sir, that has been following us since yesterday noon. Tell the first mate to pile on more canvas. We'll outrun her. Every piece of canvas we have is in use, sir. If we're caught with our cargo... We'll not be caught with our cargo. But the ship's a man of war and she's faster taking us. We'll not be caught with our cargo, mister. What do you mean, sir? I mean we're dumping those slaves overboard. But they'll drown. Without a trace. Ha! The man of war may catch us, mister, but she'll never be able to prove we carried slaves. Well, why are you standing there, Cape George? You heard my orders. Over the side with a lot of them. And when the man of war comes athwart us and asks our cargo, tell them we don't carry one. That we're just traveling for our health. <laughs> and that's about it, Miss Lane, is the history of this old ship, the Raven. A pretty gruesome history, Mr. Pooh. But how does the haunted story originate? On almost every voyage this old ship made after that, someone died. Finally, men refused to sail her. She's been harbored for the last 20 years. How long have you had this ship? Only a short while. You see, I was in something of a spot with the government taking over most of the merchant marine. And when I found the raven for sale, it was a godsend. Well, uh, were you told about this legend of death concerning the ship when you bought it? Yes, but I thought it was just a story. Stories such as any old sailing ship might have acquired in its long life. Something has happened to make you think otherwise? On its first trip from my plantations, the captain was murdered in his cabin. Oh, but that doesn't necessarily The door was that... locked from the inside and there wasn't a mark on his body. Frankly, Cranston, I too am beginning to believe this ship is accursed. I was watching the men taking the stuff off in that boat while I was waiting for you and Miss Lane, Mr. Cranston. Oh, were you, Shrevy? Yes, sir. Ain't it too bad that the days of sailing boats is over, that they're over? Why do you say that, Shrevy? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because I read it somewhere. <laughs> I was just making with the conversation, like they say. You two have been so quiet, I was just making with the conversation. Like they say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Gee... I would like very much to be a sailor. Sailing on the briny deep and, and batting down the hatches and, and stuff. <laughs> well, Shrevy, I don't think you'd like that ship. Why not? I am thinking to myself, that ship is beautiful. In a repulsive sort of way. Yeah, it certainly is. Shrevy, that ship once carried slaves from Africa to America. Is that so? Well, you can't blame the ship, you can't blame. No, but the taint of the men who indulged in that business still seems to stick to her. Well, that's quite understandable. What do you mean, Mr. Cranston? That ship is haunted. Oh, well, I... You mean it's got ghosts it's got? Shrevy, watch where you're driving. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I thought for a minute you said the ship was haunted. She did. <laughs> oh, Shrevy. 
Stevie, you're too excitable. Yes, ma'am. I'll keep reminding myself of that. I'll keep. Well, after all, it may be only a peculiar combination of circumstances. Lamont, don't you believe what Mr. Carew told us? That the captain was found dead in his cabin? With the door locked on the inside? Margot, the captain may have died from natural causes. There were no marks of violence on his body, and as he was buried at sea... What about the wailing noises that were heard the night he died? What about that awful smell aboard ship? An odor of death? Was all that just coincidence? Yeah, how about that, Mr. Craston? Coincidence? Well, it hardly seems likely, but... What about all the trouble Mr. Grew had with the men being afraid to sail the ship again? Do you think you could scare all those men with a peculiar combination of circumstances? No, that's very true. Well, you've convinced me, Margot. Well... Convince me that I ought to accept Mr. Carew's offer to sail with him aboard the Raven. Sail? But Lamont will have to start shopping like mad for cruise clothes. Uh, Margot. Let me see. Margot. Hmm? You didn't hear me correctly. Mr. Carew asked me to sail with him. Just me. Oh, Lamont, you wouldn't... Margot, that's final. This is one time you're not going along. Well, Lamont, needless to say, I'm glad that you've decided to come along this trip. All right, there you Funny, but I've got a strange feeling about this particular voyage. A feeling that I may not come back alive. Oh, now, Carew. Well, Mr. Carew, we'll be sailing with the tide in about 20 minutes. Good. Uh, Captain Flanagan, this is our one and only passenger, Lamont Cranston. How do you do? Well, how do you do, sir? So you're the gentleman who's going to ferret out our spook, eh? You know the ghost legend? Captain Flanagan knows all about it. Mr. Cranston, I am not a superstitious man. I've examined my cabin where this so-called murder took place from stem to stern and can't find a hiding place big enough even for a ghost. If a spook is going to clamber down that porthole tonight, I'll welcome him with open arms and buy him a spot of rum. He'll deserve it. (laughs) Now, gentlemen, I'm more worried about my crew than I am of any ghost. Never in all my years at sea have I seen a meaner or uglier bench of men. Well, they were the only men we could get, Captain. Sailors are superstitious about a hoodoo ship. Hey, Captain, look aloft. That man's going to fall off the rigging. Oh, oh don't worry about him. Even with one leg, he's more agile than the rest. Oh, yes. That wooden leg of his doesn't seem to hinder him at all. That's Rock, the bosun, Captain. And he's the ugliest of an ugly lot. Well, he's a good man. I don't know how I'd ever have a crew for you if he hadn't persuaded the men to sign on for another voyage. I hear you. Bosun, come here. Aye, aye, sir. Uh, Rock, this is our new skipper, Captain Flanagan. Welcome, sir. Welcome to the good ship, Raven. Haven't I met you someplace before, Mr. Rock? Not that I recall, sir. You look familiar to me. Not perhaps I'm mistaken. Yes, sir. Is that tobacco you're chewing, Mr. Rock? That it is, sir. I won't have any chewing or smoking while you're on duty. Yes, sir. Over the side it goes, sir. Good. Uh, Mr. Rock. I have been informed that discipline aboard the ship has been very lax. Oh? I'll not tolerate that. As soon as we're out to sea, I want to talk to the entire crew. I'll see that they're assembled on deck, sir. Good. Now, back to your work, Mr. Rock. Aye, aye, sir. Don't you think you're being a little hard on him, Captain? Mr. Carew, I hope you won't mind my telling you this, but I'm the captain of this ship. You're the owner. But once we're out to sea, this ship is my responsibility. No offense, Captain. I quite understand. Uh, Captain Flanagan... For a moment, you thought you recognized Rock. Yes. Who did you think he was? A man who used to work for me some years back. And I... I must have been mistaken. 
And now, gentlemen, will you do me the honor of dining in my cabin tonight? Perhaps the presence of three men who don't believe he exists will discourage our ghost. <laughs> Well, Mr. Cranston, Mr. Carew, when we hit that typhoon, there weren't enough able-bodied men aboard her to bury the dead. Oh, yes, yes. Captain, is it all right if I clean the dishes away, sir? Yeah, clear away, Jess. Yes, sir. <clears throat> well, you were saying, Captain, about the typhoon. Yes, that's a very interesting yarn, Captain. Well, for three days and three nights it blew. I lashed myself to the wheel with the waves breaking across the deck. Finally, the first mate relieved me, and I crawled into my cabin more dead than alive. I didn't care whether the ship sank or not. I've gone through that same thing, Captain. You mean lashed to the wheel? Oh, no, seasickness. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> As a matter of fact, Lamont, I'm afraid I have a touch of it myself right now. Oh, no, Carew. Yes, Cranston. So, if you'll both excuse me, I think I'll go out on deck for a little fresh air. Yes, yes, what's the matter with you? You've broken all the dishes. What are you staring at? Yeah, the horns. They've come. I know that... He's looking at that locker over there in the corner. Yeah. I've seen the door move. Oh. Hear that? There's something in there. Well, there's only one way to find out. Come out. Yes, Lamont. Margot. Miss Lane. Now, who is this woman? I'll explain, Captain. Margot, what do you think you're doing? A very bad job of stowing away, Lamont. What a very good job of being seasick. Oh! Margot! Margot! Here I am, Lamont. Oh. Feeling any better, Margot? Yes, a little, thanks. Well, you can go below now if you want to. Go to have my cabin. Carew and I are going to bunk together. Oh, thanks, Lamont. You're a dear. Wait till this voyage is over before you thank me, Margot. Things are brewing aboard this old ship. Things that may result in the death of any of us. Have you learned anything yet, Lamont? Not yet, Margot. But the shadow is going to Captain Flanagan's cabin tonight. Well, what can you gain by questioning Captain Flanagan? I'm not going to question him, Margot. Tonight, the shadow is going to be merely an observer. Because I think that an attempt will be made on the captain's life. And I'm going to prevent it, if I can. Who's there? Who's there? It's only me, miss. Jess, the steward. Oh, you frightened me for a minute. You pardon my saying so, miss. Deck of this ship ain't no place for a young lady to be alone this time of night. I'm beginning to think you're right, Jess. This ship is haunted. What? I got a feeling that something's going to happen tonight. Jess, you don't believe in ghosts, do you? Maybe yes. Maybe no. But I don't like to feel a death in the air tonight. Is that you over there? No. No, it's I, Margo. Where's Lamont? He didn't come back to the cabin. What? I don't know. What's the matter? There's something unearthly about. Miss Lane, do you notice that odor? What? Yeah. Oh. The odor of death. The same odor that permeated the ship when Captain Rutherford was killed on the last voyage. Quick, we've got to find Lamont. Jess, you go around to the... Well, where is he? Who? Jess! 
I was just talking to him. Are you sure? Of course I'm sure. He was right here a minute ago. I didn't see anyone talking to you when I came up. But he was here. I know it. What the... That wailing I heard, too, when Captain Rutherford was killed. <laughs> that scream came from Captain Flanagan's cabin. Come on, hurry! In a moment, our curtain will rise on Act Two. Meantime, let's talk about how you and your family can keep warm from now until next May. Heat your home with blue coal. You know, it's a fact that with blue coal, which is the finest of Pennsylvania hard coal, you can enjoy comfortable, even warmth throughout your house. Let the cold winter winds blow. You'll be snug and completely free of heating care. One reason it's so easy to heat with blue coal is that it's delivered to your home in exactly the right size for your heating plant. Another reason, and one you want to be sure to remember, is the new deluxe blue coal heat regulator. Every home should have one. It's as easy to operate as an electric light switch. It automatically opens and closes the dampers on your furnace and keeps every room at an even temperature. You can let the weatherman do his worst. You're always comfortable. Ask for a free demonstration of the blue cold heat regulator in your own home. No obligation whatever. Get in touch with your reliable neighborhood blue cold dealer tomorrow. He's listed under the words blue coal in your classified phone directory. Remember the name, blue coal. Blue coal is color marked for your protection with a harmless blue tint. But now, back to the shadow. dead. Captain Flanagan is dead. Oh, Mr. Carew, his face is so contorted. He must have suffered horribly. Oh, Lamont. I heard the scream and came running. What is it? Look for yourself, Cranston. Captain Flanagan is dead. The same way that Rutherford got it. And not a mark on him. I think you're wrong, Carew. There's a slight scratch on his forehead. Let me see. So there is. How could a little scratch like that have caused his death? And where is the murder weapon? Mr. Carew, you've had plantations in the West Indies for many years. Haven't you ever heard of a native poison brewed from the roots of strange herbs called maonagua? It's known to cause instant death. Why, no. No, I don't know the poison. Why do you ask? Why? Because in some mysterious way, Captain Flanagan was murdered with that drug. Lamont, seeing that you believe Mr. Carew had committed the murder. Perhaps he has, Margot. But you were there when it happened. You must have seen how it was done. Margot, I was right in the cabin when it happened, but I might have been in New York for all the good it did me. The shadow went to Captain Flanagan's cabin last night. The door was locked and bolted, so I knocked. When he opened the door to see who it was, the shadow slipped into the cabin. Then he locked and bolted the door again. But before I could... I could have sworn I heard someone knock at the door. Uh, must be my imagination. Uh, well, to bed. Uh, hmm. Strange. 
What's that odor? Smells like it's coming from that ventilator. And the wailing. Just as Carew said he... Uh, 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 uh. Then he screamed and fell to the floor of the cabin. I heard you and Carew coming toward the cabin, and when Carew forced the door, the shadow slipped out. And you didn't see how it happened? No, Margot. I saw it happen, but the whole thing had me completely baffled. Come in. Begging your pardon, miss, but Mr. Carew wants both you and Mr. Cranston, sir, to come up on the bridge. Did he say what for, Rock? There seems to be some trouble, sir. The men refuse to go on. It looks pretty serious. I think you'd better talk to them, Mr. Carew. They look like they're in a pretty dangerous mood. Yes, they know how Flanagan died, and they want to turn back. Well, we can't sail the ship without them. I guess you'd better union. But this is mutiny. It's unheard of in this day and age. Oh, please do something, Mr. Carew. All right, I'll do something. Something that may convince them. Let's have some action around here! Men, listen to me! We're going to continue our course to the West Indies. Not in this present ship, we're not. We want to turn back. What happened to Captain Flanagan? Happened to Let me speak! What happened to Captain Flanagan? And Captain Rutherford, don't forget. This ship is hard. It was all an accident. There was nothing supernatural about it. This ship is cursed and we're not saying We want to turn back. And we're going to turn men, back. Men, men, please. Suppose I prove to you that there is nothing to fear on this ship. How are you going to do it? Oh, then, if I sleep in the captain's cabin and nothing happens to me... Will you continue the voyage? Yeah, that's fair enough. Fair enough it is. You do it, and if nothing happens to you, we'll go on. Aye, we'll go You'll on. prove it to us. Yeah, I've boy. never asked a man working for me to do anything that I wouldn't do. I'm sleeping in the captain's cabin tonight. Now, have you got all that, Margot? Let's see if I've remembered everything. I'm to watch the porthole in the captain's cabin. And don't forget to stay out of sight. Right. When I get your signal... Uh, not my direct signal. The porthole slamming shut will be the signal. That's right. Then I'm to shoot the gun. And remember, just into the air to arouse the men of the crew. You're not to take a shot at the murderer. I'd like to take him alive. Who is he, Lamont? Well, I'm still not sure, Margot. But I do know how the murders were committed. I spent the whole afternoon inspecting the captain's cabin again, and at last it came to me. You see, the victims were awakened by... Come in. Carew. I was looking for you, Lamont. I wonder if you'd do me a favor. Well, if I can. You want to speak with Lamont alone, Mr. Carew? No, no, thank you. It may sound silly to you, Lamont, but... Would you take care of this letter for me? A letter? What do you mean? It's to my wife. Just... In case, you know. Oh, nothing's going to happen, Mr. Carew. Why, of course not. Of course not. I feel as though I'm taking that last long walk tonight. But it's something I've got to do. Nice evening, isn't it? Seems pretty fine to be alive. Well, I won't bore you with my emotions. Better have a go at that cabin. You will take care of that letter for me, won't you, Lamont? Certainly. So long. He spoke as if he were going to die tonight. And well he may, Margot, if anything goes wrong with the trap I've set for the killer. Well, let's get along. The shadow has work to do. 
Now to lock and bolt the door. There. Now there's nothing to do but wait. I could go to bed and wait. All right. What's that? Who's there? That's strange. I thought I heard someone knocking. Huh. Must be my nerves. <laughs> Mr. Carew. Voice. Maybe they're right. Maybe the ship is haunted. No, Mr. Carew. It is a shadow's voice you heard. But I can't see you. The shadow is invisible to your eyes. But let me reassure you, I am a man of flesh and blood, and I am your friend. I've cast a hypnotic mist over your mind, which makes me invisible. I don't understand. What do you want of me? I've come to help you, to save you from almost certain death. How can you save me? Be patient, Mr. Carew, and obey my orders, and we will outwit the killer. But I... That odor. The odor of death. Killer has come earlier than I expected. And now the morning. Shadow, that awful smell. It seems to be coming from the ventilator. Mr. Carew. What is it? Don't move another step. You see the ventilator in front of the porthole? Yes. The murderer is just outside waiting for you to go to that ventilator. As you pass the open porthole, he will strike. Then I won't pass it. I'll be safe if I don't. You must pass it. What? If we are to catch our killer red-handed, please follow my instructions. Now... Count three to yourself and walk toward the ventilator. When I shout now, drop to the floor instantly. Ready? Ready. One, two, three. Now. Are you all right, Mr. Carew? Yes, yes, I'm all right. What's all that shouting about? Unless I'm mistaken, that means our killer's criminal days are over. If you'll examine the porthole, you'll find a sharp steel needle dangling from a silk thread. But be extremely careful of the way you handle it, as it's coated with a very deadly poison. That, Mr. Carew, is the murder weapon. Hold him on, Mr. Carew is about the happiest man in the world this morning. Well, well, he should be. He came very close to following Captain Rutherford and Captain Flanagan as the killer's third victim. And Rock is in chains in the hole, Lamont? Yes. Carew's turning him over to the authorities as soon as we duck at Tocito. Well, did Rock finally admit why he had committed these murders? Well, Margot, it seems Rock had been hired by another concern to ruin Carew. Not only on this ship, but on any other ship that Carew might try to hire. You know, Lamont, I still don't know how Rock could do all those things. What things, Margot? Well, for instance, the wailing sound that we heard. Oh, well, that's simple enough. He rigged up some large tin drums on a rosin cord hung to the yard arm. When the wind whirled them about, it produced a moaning sound. But what about the odor? That terrible odor of death. <laughs> that was nothing more than a few basic chemicals placed in the ventilators. Our imagination supplied the so-called odor of death. Oh, that's simple enough. But how did Rock actually commit the murders? I knew, Margot, that the killer had used a blowgun and a poison dart. But what puzzled me was, what became of the dart? You remember, we couldn't find it. Oh, now, Lamont, that's not so simple. On the contrary, Margot. Rock merely slid down a rope to the porthole, shot his poison dart, and retrieved it by pulling it back on a silk thread. Huh, as simple as all that? Why, I could have figured that out if I'd had time enough. Well, of course you could, dear. Time give you time enough and you could have figured it out, certainly. There's only one thing you overlooked, Margot. What's that, Lamont? 
a peculiar characteristic of our friend Carew. Really? What characteristic? He just doesn't like being buried at sea. Well, you can understand. <laughs> oh, <laughs> We have a special announcement to make in just a few moments, but now we'd like to present to you Blue Coal's distinguished home heating expert, John Barclay. Mr. Barclay. Thank you. Friends, they say that well begun is half done. And I want to point out to you today the truth of that old saying as it applies to modern home heating. You know, there's really nothing complicated about the operation of a furnace. Although, as experience perhaps has shown you, there are seemingly simple things that can cause you trouble. Now, why do these troubles arise? Believe me when I tell you that most of them are caused by not starting out right. Well begun is half done. You'll find it pays you over and over again to take pains at the beginning of the season to start your heating plant off right. Now, here's my suggestion. Call your reliable blue coal dealer, and he'll send an expert, John Barkley-trained serviceman to your home. There's no charge whatever for this. He'll check your heating plant thoroughly and start you on a comfortable and economical fall and winter season. Call him tomorrow, before cold weather settles in for good. You'll be surprised and delighted to find how much easier and how much more efficient it is to heat your home the blue coal way. Phone your friendly blue coal dealer tomorrow. Thank you. It's our great privilege to present to you at this time Mr. Norman Weiser of Radio Daily. Mr. Weiser, as editor and critic, has long been regarded as a leading authority in the world of radio drama. Mr. Weiser. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen... Radio today is certainly a major influence in the field of drama. Radio dramatizations such as The Shadow are very carefully selected and are designed particularly to suit the listening tastes of an exceptionally discriminating audience. Today, I am representing Harper and Brothers in commemoration of their new book, Writer's Radio Theater of 1940-1941 which contains the ten outstanding radio dramas of that period. It is my honor to present one of the ten merit awards to The Shadow as having contributed one of the best radio dramas of the year. It was called The Ghost Walks Again, written by Jerry Devine, produced by Wilson Tuttle, and presented over this network March 16, 1941. Thank you, Mr. Norman Weiser, and thank you, Radio Daily. Today's program was based on a copyrighted story. The characters' names, places, and plot are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. The weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows. <laughs> Next week, same time, same station, your neighborhood blue coal dealer brings you another thrilling adventure of the shadow. Be sure to listen, and be sure to phone your friendly blue coal dealer for greater heating comfort at less cost. So don't forget, keep the home fires burning with blue coal. You have been listening to the Old Time Radio Hour, broadcast each week over the World Wide Web. You can subscribe at no charge through iTunes, Podbean, or RSS. Thank you so much for listening. 
We hope you can join us again next week for another hour of entertainment from the golden age of radio. We'll present a couple of musical shows. Until then, this is your host, Justine Ward, saying so long for now. (laughs) 